Welcome to Glass Houses, a Billy Joel podcast. I'm Michael Grosvenor. And I'm Jack Frenino. Join us as we dig deep into Billy Joel's songs and history and what his music has meant to us. The My Lives box set is a curious addition to the Billy Joel discography. The four CD, one DVD set, released in 2005, is a mix of unreleased demos, alternate takes, live recordings, cover songs, and a handful of album tracks. At the time, it was the first glimpse many fans got at unreleased material and songs in progress. The first disc, in particular, offers a chronological journey from Billy's teenage bands on Long Island through his hit-making reign in the late 70s. We're exploring that first disc in real time for this episode. You'll hear our reactions and annotations to the tracks as they play and get our overall impression of the release. Join us as we dig deep into disc one of the My Lives box set. My Lives. It's an interesting collection. I feel like it didn't know what it wanted to be. It didn't know what it wanted to be, and it came out at a bad time. It came out 05? It was released November 22nd, 2005. You know, it was released at a time when um, interest in Billy was uh, was, uh, waning for a little while there. And also, we do these better now, I think. You know, when we talked to John Jackson, he brought up the point that Box sets started coming out because people didn't want to replace their entire vinyl catalog. So like they could get the Zeppelin box and they would get, you know, all the, all the big songs that they needed in one shot and they wouldn't have to buy all the albums again on CD. And now between streaming and YouTube and, and the vinyl resurgence, you know, we're getting a lot more in terms of, of unearthed catalogs and things like that. I think because the mediums are more, palatable to it if you want your souvenir so to speak you know you get the vinyl box set and you and you have this thing if you want to find weird outtakes you know you surf youtube for a while and, you, and you'll find what you're looking for and i think i mean i don't i don't know that like we're seeing a lot of spotify only releases or like retrospective releases like this but i i feel like you know i'm thinking a lot about like um, the recent Zappa Hot Rats box, they, they're saying it's it's not really like this box set of unreleased recordings. It's a process record. If you play the whole thing through, you hear all the different parts that became the album, you know, because of how much he overdubbed and snipped and put things together. Those sort of things like the box set as art didn't exist in 05, certainly. And that's when this came out. And I don't think, the, yeah, I don't think they knew what to do with it. Billy's not a Springsteen. He's not going to put out tracks. He's not, he's not Dylan. He's not going to put out uh, the basement tapes. Right. Um, you know, as much as they tried to make this look like the Dylan self-portrait album, you know, he's not a Dylan. He's, he's not a guy like that. So what we got on this a lot were, you know, a couple songs that people hadn't really heard yet, a bunch of demos of songs that we know, which is like a curio, like, did they wait too long to do the expanded editions of these albums? Had they done it in the 90s? Would this have hit then? But, you know, they started doing the legacy ones and it didn't really take off. Like, would these have just ended up on there? 
the first big reissue campaign they did at Billy's catalog was actually, believe it or not, 25 years ago in October here. That so was October 98. They reissued his entire catalog in CD and cassette. Everything was remastered. I think they made the mistake of not doing it while he was still more active coming on the heels of Greatest Hits Volume 3. People would have been into it. And and even when they did, if I remember correctly, there wasn't a lot of, was there, there were, wasn't really bonus material on those CDs. Like I had the bridge one and I don't remember there being anything on it. The only bonus material were CD enhanced videos. Put it in your computer and you can play super low res versions of, of the music videos. Probably like 480p kind of thing, you know. And at that point, though, those videos were probably way out of circulation. You probably couldn't get the VHS. The DVD wasn't out yet. Yeah, it was kind of one of those in-between times. So it was a yeah. cool feature to do at the time, certainly. Right. You know, when it comes to adding bonuses, you kind of got to either go full tilt or not. Yeah, this one's going to be a mystery, and I have a feeling nobody's going to cop to it either. <laughs> yeah. And again, with Billy never being a big fan of his, he's like, yeah, I didn't release this for a reason. He probably begrudgingly put it out, agreed to it coming up because he ultimately does sign off on things. But this was probably one of the projects that he was probably least thrilled about. So we, we get this really weird box set and uh, we're only going to do the first disc this time. We'll, you know, we'll go through the rest. Now, don't get me wrong. There's interesting stuff on here. It's just the packaging is, is so weird. It's mostly demos, a couple mm-hmm. like studio tracks for no discernible reason. Yeah. Those are the most curious choices ever yeah <laughs> yeah just throwing one or two on there yeah so it's not it's not some sort of retrospective well at least the first disc they're not a lot of finished songs and i'm even looking through the packaging because you know me i'm a big physical media guy it's puzzling like every <laughs> aspect of this thing is puzzling to me i'm always curious about why the choices were made like they were it's yeah it's it's not quite chronological the first three discs are it's like, yeah, but until they throw Zanzibar and until the night and still rock and roll to me at the end of the first one and only the good die young, like the first, the last four songs, like they just tack these on and then it goes back to Captain Jack. But the Captain Jack is live from the songs in the attic outtakes. So that's yeah, 81. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. 80, 81. That's, that's why that's there. Yeah. Okay. So you know what? All right. I'll, all right. I'll take that back. It's just, they make this, I guess they don't make too much of a jump. I mean, they jump over Street Life, but I guess you, we didn't really get a lot of Street Life stuff there. Because right. Oyster Bay was, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. So it is in order. Well, this this harkens back to what we've talked about, how the Cold Spring Harbor era was so different from the others in that he was just writing so much, and he didn't do that again. He, he used almost everything after that. The Prime of Your Life being a great example of something that just became something else. Obviously, they weren't going to just put the snippets of things that, that weren't even fully recorded, like the... um the original blonde over blue uptown girl thing from like the innocent man era. Uh, you know, I don't know, man, maybe this ain't that bad. <laughs> maybe they, <laughs> maybe if they just called it the Billy Joel outtakes album, we would have been happy with it. You know? Well, I think my biggest problem with it is like, it's a, such an incredible treat getting these unreleased gems and these demos. And Lord knows that in the vaults too, there is also um, rough mixes and, alternate takes, you know, a la Christy Lee, like we see on disc two. We know there's more of that in there somewhere. It's almost like they were too, too unsure that this was going to go over well. So we better throw in some album cuts that people know. Yeah. It's, yeah. It does seem like, you know, I guess if you were scanning it or if you were uh, somebody's grandma, 
and you were buying it for Christmas, you know, as a Christmas gift, you'd be like, oh, I've heard of a bunch of these songs. This must be what Johnny wants. If they didn't try to give it this encompassing name, I think we would be more forgiving. I think we would be like, oh, cool. You know, this is the the trunk. Awesome. We get a peek in there. All right, fine. Good, good, good. Throw still rock and roll with me on there. Why the hell not? But would you, yeah, we're all just scratching our head on this thing. I personally would have preferred them leave every single album version off. It's unnecessary, especially because there's so few of them. It doesn't put context to anything. Now, I mean, we do. We're really selling this episode, huh? I know. All right, look, so let's let's say, first of all, thank you for getting this far. Second of all, you know, despite the packaging, there's some cool stuff on here. I think it's we're just even less appreciative of it now, as I said, because you could find all this stuff online so much easier than you yeah. could in 2005. Well, first of all, I'll talk real real quick, too, as I'm thumbing through the, the booklet. Another thing that's a little curious as well, too, is the photos. It starts out with like Liberty and Doug, Billy and Richie, that classic shot on the stoop. And then you, you got Natilla and Hassel's pictures, so you're like, okay. But 80% of the pictures, it seems, are Stormfront era. Like, I don't see a single photo of Billy from the Stranger era, from the Nylon Curtain, An Innocent Man, that whole... From all of disc know, one? Pretty much. There's a lot a lot missing, um, but there's so much Stormfront photos. There's a 73 shot paired with a Keeping the Faith video still. It could have told the flow and the story a little better photograph-wise, like... The volume one box set does. It really follows a nice chronological flow where this kind of is a little more hodgepodgey. I was about to say, yeah, we're, we're really spoiled now with, uh, with Ed O'Dowd. Um, yeah. really knocking it out of the park with the, with these reissues and yeah. And I'm assuming I have, I don't think I've seen the, the, the booklet. I'm, I'm going to assume that we're not looking at a lot of, uh, unearthed photos there either. Most everything here I've seen before. Before 2005, though. Okay. Yeah, but it like it has a really good quality poster from the Madison Square Garden show on the Nylon Curtain Tour. And yeah. it does have a cool outtake photo from the We Didn't Start the Fire video. But there's a few of those. So it's like, okay. <laughs> there's a couple things that I, I think could have been in that weren't. But uh, most of this I've, I've seen before. Quality of the prints are nice. They do look good. I will say that. And the version I have, I know, again, like I say, this is an audio podcast, but I always have visual aids. Oh, here we go. All right. Let's just... You know me. So <laughs> my version... I was going to get to sleep early tonight. <laughs> <laughs> nope. All right, Mr. West Coast, take your time. <laughs> That's right. So I bought my version at Best Buy. I, I still have my hype sticker on it because this was a Best Buy exclusive. And there was a technology for a period of time called You Mix It, where basically they would take stems of songs and you, and it had a multi-track interface that you could remix songs. What? Yep. So this came with a bonus EP of four songs that you could use on this software, which by the way, you can't run on anything anymore. So this is like totally dead. Was this like not promoted well, or was I just too busy with two toddlers in my house in 2005 that I had no idea this was going on? I don't know how, how big this was promoted. Yeah, it's a very good question. I think you're probably pretty preoccupied with the kids. I'm, I'm assuming you messed around with it, though. Yeah, I did back then because now you can't run this software on anything. The DVD had two You Mix It songs. You know, the DVD that's on the set had mm-hmm. Zanzibar and I Go to Extremes. Now, the bonus Best Buy one came with four additional songs. You could do Keeping the Faith, Moving Out, Big Shot, and Only the Good Die Young. And uh, it was kind of fun. I wish I would have like done a couple or done like an instrumental mix and mixed it down. So I had it, but 
I never did and make like drumless tracks for yourself to play along with. Yeah, I totally should have done that, but I never did. And um, now you can't access this stuff with anything. How is that possible? You can't go backwards? Well, it's old software that doesn't run on any modern computers. It's not DOS. Like it's, I mean, it's still Windows though, right? Well, I don't, well, one, I don't have Windows anymore. Okay. Um, No, I mean, let me put it this way. I believe you. I just don't understand how that happens. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when I had a Mac or when I had a PC, I had old versions of like Adobe Photoshop that didn't run on my new operating system. Software does become obsolete, even if you have the same type of PC. But yeah, the box set, it's the cover is a painting or drawing or painting of Billy that Alexa did. Interesting choice. The tracks are belly banded onto the package. So it's a slip on paper, kind of like you'll see on books. Sometimes it's got Billy Joel, my lives, then this one and two on the front and the tracks for the other ones on the back. This came out actually only about like the end of the year. Like I got laid off at Sony in 2005. I was not around when it came out, but I still had friends who were there. A buddy of mine at the label sent me a promo version of it, which is just in a four disc jewel pack, you know, jewel case, not fancy, no booklet or anything like that, but it's got all the stuff. That's an old school, like double CD looking. uh, Oh, totally. Let's talk about disc one here. Tell, Tell us what we got. We kind of run the gamut. They pretty much zip through the first 15 years of Billy's career on disc one. We start with my journey's end, which is a lost souls track. Then we have time and time again, another lost souls track. Every step I take, every move I make, uh, Hassel's song from one of the Hassel's records. Then you have You Got Me Hummin', which was their uh, their cover song, which Billy would later cover in the uh, Songs in the Attic era. Then you have Amplifier Fire Part 1 from the Attila record. And so track six, now we start getting into Billy Joel's solo career. You've got Only a Man demo, She's Got a Wave album version, Oyster Bay demo, Piano Man demo, the Siegfried Line demo. New Mexico, unreleased demo, which became Worst Comes to Worst. Cross to Bear, demo. Miami 2017, demo. These Rhinestone Days, demo, which became I'd Love These Days. Everybody Has a Dream, album version. Only the Good Die Young, reggae version. Until the Night, album version. Zanzibar, unfaded version. And Still Rock and Roll to Me, album version. They have 19 songs in all. Let's jump in. So this is, of course, our new Back by Popular Demand uh, Listen Along format. And I think that's that's a good one for this one. Otherwise, well, first of all, we take forever uh, <laughs> go trying to analyze every every second of these. And second of all, since they aren't as well known as the albums, I think it's good to hear that, hear it going by so people have immediate context. It's four discs, so we're gonna spread this out over four episodes, and it may take us four years. We'll see, or or maybe we'll hit it in two years. You know, you're looking at probably about seventy five minutes each disc or so. So, so go to the bathroom now. We're not stopping the car. We're going to kick it off here. And with the first track, My Journey's End. You know, how much did it cost him to make this demo? You get better quality on an iPhone now. (laughs) I know, right? Man, this is like... Like just pitch perfect mid sixties. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like so many, so many bands of that era. Yeah. Nice harmonies. Yeah. Yeah. 
this was probably like the sole cassette dub that was made in the 70s that's left, you know? <laughs> Get that organ going. Yeah. And I remember seeing Billy on some master classes saying that this was the first song he ever wrote. Hmm. Which, hey, for a first song as a teenager, not bad. Yeah. I mean, it really fits in with the music of the day. Yeah, I mean, you know, being what a mimic he can be, that certainly yeah. makes sense. It's, it's an interesting, uh, I don't know, My Journey's End is kind of a cool, has more gravitas than Susie, I Love You. <laughs> yeah. This song, this sounds oh, yeah. like five scratchy 45s that I pulled out of my grandmother's attic or basement you know it from brooklyn with with my mom or my aunt's name scrolled on it you know yep (laughs) it what a left turn that is right there yeah This sounds more Man. like 70s Billy Joel than Cold Spring Harbor. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, like he's in his real voice here. <laughs> yeah. I feel like uh, Frank Zappa really took the piss out of harmonies like this a lot in the late 60s. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Man, what were we doing in high school? I mean, just to put this in context. <laughs> right. Not this, not this well. I no. was in a band. I, I used to joke. I said, yeah, I had a band in high school called Reflux, and that's about what we sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were fun, but I mean, it wasn't great. But, you know, we were yeah. having a good time. Yeah, I think my journey's end is a little more interesting, but this is just right in the park yeah. there, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, we had discovered grass. You know, yeah. Trying to make your guitar sound like a sitar. Here we go. Now we run into, like, noticeable step yeah, up that- in production quality. In production, yeah. Everything I <laughs> Yeah, this is so AM. I mean, you know, his melody, his melodic prowess is already coming into Yeah, it's a form here, you know. It's not it's not a, a groundbreaking hook, but 
You know, it hits. Right. Strings on the right, you got the drums hard pan to the left. Yeah. Yeah. Bass too. No. It's an interesting bass line too. It's got that breakdown feel to it. Yeah. I wonder if that's the violin that uh, John Small told us about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, damn, I love an organ. Yeah. I'm chasing down a $100 uh, turn-of-the-century pump organ. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh. Bro, right in my dining room, piss off the neighbors. <laughs> Gonna learn to play Inagata De Vita. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we got you got me humming big mood time rip up here trying to like yeah. boo people into thinking they're about to hear my girl yeah oh yeah oh wait but this is a cover though right oh yeah Sam and Dave yeah See, <clears throat> you almost forget that like people could use the organ in lieu of, of the horn section. Yeah, like, those stabs, like really. Yeah, it was full. I know, you know, the early days of stereo mixing, you know, they they went overboard, you know, with doing all this hard panning, but <laughs> it's just so weird to me. <laughs> yeah. Now, see, to jump a, a few minutes ahead here, I, I I think what we're missing is something from Hour of the Wolf. Yeah, because it just jumps from this to. Attila. Yeah. The Hour of the Wolf is an interesting transition between the two. Yeah. Like that put... <clears throat> again, you know, we're talking about context. That puts it into context. You see that slide into psychedelia. Which, yes. you know, had more to do with what was going on than, you know, certainly Billy's mindset because he wasn't a big acid dude. Yeah. There's some horns. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing his Ray Charles there. Yeah, yeah. He's already tried to craft it. 
right, here it comes. Our first time ever voiced- listening to an Attila track on the podcast. Yeah. I was living in this album for a little while earlier this year. I yeah. have it on cassette and I leave it in the car. It gets a bad rap, man. Yeah. There's some interesting I, stuff going on throughout it. Oh, yeah. There definitely is. Um, I think I've said in the Discord, you know, there's an alternate universe where Billy was going toe-to-toe with Keith Emerson. Oh, seriously? Yeah. But, like, I mean, I, in the sense that, like, I think if this got a modicum of success, he would have gone, he could have gone prog rock pretty quickly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, listen to the stuff John Small's doing on drums. Very jazzy. Yeah. Very. Very Ginger Baker. <laughs> Hard panning the fills. Yeah, it's the guy that's like, that's the guy just sitting there like <laughs> twisting the knob. <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing when I was in high school. <laughs> we had my yeah. friend's uh, father's four track cassette recorder. It was like, yeah, let's, the drums would just go. You know, again, I wish they would have put a vocal track on here from Attila as well. Yeah. Yeah, this is redolent of that, like, exception that proves the rule track at the end of Black Sabbath's first album. It's like it's basically like a jazz rave up. Yep. Yeah. Now, this is cool, this part. Yeah, this is like the March of the Huns part. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there, you, there are your vocals. There's the vocal. <laughs> Dude, this freaked out somebody. <laughs> yeah. Somebody was one took over the line. It was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Sitting in the corner now. He doesn't get enough credit for stretching the organ sound as much as he did on this. No, man. So guitar-like in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, he was definitely trying to do the Hendrix thing. You know, I wonder if this was the precursor to his interest in the Moog. Yeah. Now, what's... Only a man here. Okay. Nah, yeah. What's this from? Like, what era is this? (laughs) It's the Beatles. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's Rubber Soul. Yeah, it's very Rubber Soul. When Jen heard it for the first time over the weekend, she's like, "He's like, is he? he he's going for Beatles, right?" I'm like, "He's always going for Beatles." Yeah. <laughs> Some places it's more uh, obvious. Yeah. But this is a fully produced demo. Yeah. Overdubs and all. 
I'm trying to think of when this is. When was this from? Do we know? Let me see what the lighter notes have to say about it. This is the man whose eyes know what to see and what to say. It says 1971, produced by Billy Joel, Billy Hammond organ, Reese Clark drums, Emery Gordy bass. Huh. So this was post, yeah, Cold Spring Harbor? Yeah, I don't know. Though, okay, here's a caveat though, you know, there's some issues with the credits on this. Uh. Also signed to Columbia Records, you know, throughout the career was, you know, the band Warrant, right? Mm-hmm. They also had a song called Only a Man. So if you look in the liner notes here, this in the booklet is credited to J.D. Lane. <laughs> Holy. Yep. J.D. Lane, Eric Turner, Jerry Dixon. Ladies and gentlemen, Warrant. <laughs> well, this was the we B side to uh, Cherry Pie. I was about to say, you know, Billy's her other uh, early hit, She's My Cherry Pie. My Lives Indeed. <laughs> Where the Down Boys Go. That's <laughs> like, you told me to pull the information for only a man. <laughs> right? But, you know, this sounds good. Is there more from this session? It's But it sounds like nothing else that came out that No. Time. Zero. No. I mean, it's actually uh, out of fashion by then. Well, oh, yeah. Maybe not 71. Yeah, a little bit. Now we got our first album cut and she's got away. Yeah. Now, they could have done a really ballsy move and put the original Cold Spring Harbor version on. Yeah. You know, or dig up the original You Can Make Me Free and put it on there. That See, that would have made great yeah. substitute. At the time, right. Yeah. Although I remember, I never bought it, but like I remember somebody was selling um, needle drop MP3s of Cold Spring Harbor on Amazon. Yeah. And there's some on YouTube. No, I'm talking about like 05, like pre-YouTube. Oh, back back then before that was a thing. Yeah. yeah. She's got a way of talking. I don't know why it is, but it lifts me up when we are yeah. walking anywhere. These credits are kind of wonky. She comes to me when I'm feeling down. Oh, it's funny. Uh, did you ever notice who's credited to uh, steel guitar on this song? <laughs> What's that? Who's credited as what? Playing steel guitar, which I don't even hear. Oh. Sneaky Pete. Sneaky Pete. <laughs> it's like one of Kramer's friends. Yeah. 
Bob Sacramento. Bob Sacramento. <laughs> Lomez, you know. <laughs> and everywhere she goes, a million dreams of love surround her everywhere. She comes to me when I'm feeling down, inspires me. Without a sound, she touches me, and I get turned around. Yeah, I, again, I just go back to every when I hear the album cuts. It's like I love the album cuts, clearly, obviously, but. For this kind of collection, it feels like um, wasted opportunity. Yeah, really. For, for something really interesting from this era. Did they just did they just run out of stuff? I mean, with the, there were more demos from '71. I mean, oh, they yeah. could have just made Where's the revolution? Of that you know, yeah. there's here comes my lady. The original on. everybody oh. has a dream. Siegfried Lang. Yeah, I, that's what that's what disappointed me that it didn't have the alternate. Everybody's got a dream. Yeah. And we got Oyster Bay coming up. Yeah. From my room I see the blue Pacific Ocean. Yes, my hotel has me right beside the shore. Well, today it's San Francisco. Yeah, this is um This is some major like James Taylor. Yep. To keep on walking. But my manager, he stands right outside the door. <laughs> yes, there's an up and coming superstar, and he's getting rave reviews. <laughs> Very weird part here. Yeah, this is um, female singer. I can't think of who. Linda Ronstadt, Barbara Streisand. What's that? Yeah, yeah. To, yeah, I don't listen to either enough to really nail it, but. Yeah, because it's very uh, musical theater for a second there. Yep. Well, there's lots of friendly folks that say good morning. But somehow, you know, I just don't believe their smiles. I've been gone for a while. Made some changes. You know, take it. Some hints of Great Suburban Showdown in the melody, in the music. Yeah. In the verses. But somehow they just don't move me like they should. I know it's hard to understand, but I... So credited on this is Billy Joel, Reese Clark, and Emery Gordy. 1971, it says. I'm sorry, 1973 on this one. There's triplets from Reese again. 
was there almost this like was there almost this really wet sounding theatrical singer songwriter disc that wasn't street life the country the slightly countrified street life serenade you know between this and only a man yeah i mean this yeah yeah you know, it's we'll really interesting This reminds me of something too. Oh, um, uh, oh, like right there. I mean, we're doing it live, so we can't go back, but I know. You know. When we, get, when we get to a studio track, I'll, I'll, I'm going to put it on my Yeah, I'll ponder it, yeah. yeah. Okay, this has me thinking too, you know, they say with Street Life, you know, he kind of ran out of material and felt pressured in. Like, there was all these songs in between the Piano Man and Street Life era that seemed to get cut. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't see the Siegfried line going in there, but... Um, yeah. Or maybe they just felt like it didn't fit or he was done with that, you know? I mean, I yeah. could see him being like done with like whatever he was trying to do on Only a Man and OSB being like, I'm not going back to it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I get a, I get a ridiculous, I get a, I get a kick out of the ridiculous echo on this. This is clearly, he's in his house like, hey, 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 hey. I'm going to turn the reverb all the way up. Right. Slightly different <laughs> lyrics here. Yep. Reminds me of Nebraska. Yeah. Or Springsteen. Said, son, can you play me a memory? <laughs> Holy delay. Yeah. But it's sad and it's sweet and I knew it completely when I wore a younger man's clothes. La, 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 la. Slightly different melody there. But I think later he, he gets it. <laughs> I've suddenly got this amazing image of like I don't know just just playing the executive room grinding it out coming home yeah. slapping down I mean, well I'm assuming this was done at home which was probably a stretch back then oh yeah it feels like it yeah. I mean it sounds like it, it could be a home recording but it's depending on it's dependent on having a piano wherever you are and he's quick, and he's with, quick a joke, with a joke, or to light up your smoke, smoke, but there's some place that he'd rather be. Which really brings out the Dylan. Oh, big time. In this, yeah. There it is. So he found it the second time at the end. Yeah. The way he does, does he it, you wonder if... Is he saying Little Piano Man? It almost sounds like he's saying Little Piano Man. <laughs> All right, little piano man. <laughs> Show me what yeah, you got. Yeah. That sounds about right. I wonder if he thought he was going to put lyrics there originally. Oh, yeah. All right. 
Next one's our, another demo. Interesting one here, the Siegfried line. Yeah. The booklet says 1973 for this one as well. Gerald. It's like an early hint of his interest in history. Yeah. I couldn't see this as being a serious contender at any given point. No. I mean, it's, it's again the credits right aren't it. right here because uh-huh. I'm looking in the booklet and it credits again Reese Clark and Emery Gordy on drums and bass. There's no drums and bass on this. Right. This might be, in, in its way, the most interesting cut on this disc. Yeah. You never hear him, like, go Irish. No. It's just as... <laughs> I think of all the lonely goes. people. <laughs> oh! Uh. And I feel like that's Billy playing guitar. I believe it. I can't tell if this is like a really good accent or not. Right. But it's funny how, like, the bridge, he just drops the whole, like, Irish jig and reel, you know? <laughs> yeah. They say the war will be over. <laughs> home, home, we will come home in the Yeah. I wonder if that's why this bridge never went anywhere. Yeah. Guys, guys, I got it. You idiot. That's Eleanor Rigby. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, with moving out, you know? Yeah, yeah. Laughing in the room. Very, very Elton John, this one. Oh, yeah. This is like Susie. Tomorrow morning I could be a bomb. It doesn't matter which direction, though. I know a woman in New Mexico. I always love demos that have harmonies on it. Yeah, me too. And if I don't have a car, I'll hitch. I got a thumb and she's a son of a bitch. I'll do my writing on my road guitar and make a living at a piano bar. Oh, worse comes to worse. I mean, so far, it's all here. Yeah. I don't know how, but sometimes I can be strong. Ooh, yeah, calling this is a sketch is a stretch. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, now this is this is different because it doesn't do the dropout. Right. He's just playing it through.
Yeah. Worse comes to worse. I'll get along. I don't know how, but sometimes I can be strong. Oh, fun ain't easy if it ain't free. Many people got a hold on me But I know something that they don't know I know a woman in New Mexico Worse comes to worse Yeah, this one's just... I mean, it's so close in, in many yeah. ways. I don't know how Makes you want to, like, pop on the... Yeah. The studio version. Well, this is a little different here. <laughs> I like that ending. Yeah, I do too. What's that? <laughs> I like that yeah. too, yeah. Yeah. I like this one. Cross the Bear. Yeah. Really in Elton territory again. Oh, yeah. Well, I know you got your trouble. But I've got problems of my own It's all relative, you see What happiness should be and we got Okay, cor- the chorus coming up here It's Civil War by Guns N' Roses The chord progression <laughs> Melody-wise, it's different, but it's the same chords I was like, wait a second And I know all about your pain <laughs> But you know it's true, though it's no comfort to you. Into his life, right here. There we go. We all have our cross to bear. These wheels, while it bears the ball. Are we going to edit out like when we sing? Yeah. Are we leaving this in? Are we going warts and all? We all have our cross to bear. Yeah, why not? Warts and all. <laughs> so, notice a big shift in Billy vocally at this point. You know, I hate to see you cry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely doing the Ray Charles here. And this actually says 74, so this they're saying is Street Life era. Though it may sound cruel, you know I'd be a fool To let it slide a few more years Listen <laughs> I just got to have my freedom and if that's given you the blues That's the price you pay Now there ain't no other way But to get down on your knees And pay your dues Cause don't you know We all have our cross to bear This is another one that's like Way more derivative than anything he put on an on an album. Yeah, even even for as much stuff, 
even for as much Leon Russell aping that he did on Piano Man, it was never yeah. this close. You know, when he apes, he he does it um, sort of an arrangement and approach, but not necessarily in melody and right. uh, and, and harmonies. But this is just, you know. This is more, this is so much more on the nose. Yeah, it's nice, but yeah, it's like I'm glad this never went out, made it anywhere. Which is why I can see this never getting past this stage. Yeah. Because he, he, he very well may have looked at it with the critical eye and be like, you know, nope. So this would be the one representative of the street life era then. Yeah. <laughs> now this demo is actually featured in the um Last Play at Shea documentary. Hmm. I think it's like the DVD menu is this song playing, this demo. Huh. I saw the Empire State laid low Life went on beyond the Palisades They all bought Cadillacs and left there long ago We held a concert out in Brooklyn To watch the This makes you wonder what this song what he originally thought this was going to be Did he not yeah. think it was going to be a barn burner originally? I know Was this yeah. like a more of a I want to say Warren Zevon again because I talk about him a lot and turnstile i hear sort that, of though. like that like what's that uh, i hear yeah. that yeah it, yeah you know it's just that did he think this was going to be like this quirky warren zivani kind of i'm just going to make up mm. this weird story like rolling the, the headless thompson gunner kind of thing yeah I saw the lights go out on it's saying that this demo was done at columbia recording studios in 1975 i saw hmm. the ruins at my feet or, or was he just demoing it? You know, <laughs> it's tough to right. See it all the time. I tell you, his vocal quality-wise, not necessarily performance, but like the mix of the vocal is better than the album version. I would argue. Uh, it's a warmer, clearer vocal to me. Yeah, I always I appreciate the the sort of dry brittleness of the album, though, for its own yeah. thing. You know. Flames are everywhere. You're dry and brittle. <laughs> Dude, it's like a hundred degrees in this room without the air conditioning on. All the things I am. <laughs> You're like, come to me, come back to me in six months. Yeah, right. When I'm in my bear slippers and uh, fleece robe. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that makes me think. Like, I don't know. Maybe he was just riffing, but. Yeah. I saw the mighty skyline fall. The boats were waiting at the battle. I wonder if he realized that. The union went on strike. For as, as rocking as it was, there wasn't too much there. And so he couched it with the with the solo piano parts. Yeah. And pick the Yankees up for free. They said that Queens could stay. They flew the They said that Queens could stay, not the Queens. They said the Queens could stay. Well, yeah, it's, it's the that Bronx, Queens. Not the Queens. Yeah. 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 Oh, the Bronx, yeah. That's funny, because I know that, but it just always... Yeah. You know those lights were bright on Broadway. Yeah, because he's not, like, doing a big drop-off here. No. I mean, it could have just been a sketch. You know, he could have just been like, okay, well, this is what I have. Before we all lived here in Florida... Before the mafia took over Mexico. Yeah, this has a lot of it. In this version, you hear a lot of that Warren Zevon um, myth-making. Yeah. They say a handful still survive. All the lyrics are there, though. Yeah. The world about the way the lights went out. Keep the memory alive. He doesn't have that intro outro yet. Right. This sounds like something else. Start me up. Like something we just listened to. Or maybe I'm getting tired. Oh, um. Dun, 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 dun. Oh. Um, we didn't listen to it yet. The uh, the alternate version of Closer to the Borderline. Dun, 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 dun. Oh yeah, it's not on here, but yeah, you're right. Right. Very, yeah, very much so. Yep. Yeah. Now we live our lives so nonchalant. We spend our time so bon vivant. Man, this is a song. I remember just being a kid and being like, man, I don't know what's going on here, but it's heavy. <laughs> right. This is a, this is a grown ups thing, you know? It's interesting with this one because you've got some different lyrics going on. Yeah, and you know the the title obviously being these rhinestone days. Um, one of the best damn things he did was just strip away every vestige of this being in the seventies. <laughs> yep, you know, hundred percent. Because because then it became timeless. Yeah, yeah. We'll try and try instead of we'll get so high. Yeah. We'll never change our jaded ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's those little differences that, that really um, made this a different song. Yeah. The struggle, it was a different struggle completely.
feel like he he had like a couple extra chords. He didn't know how to get to this riff yet. Yeah. Oh, so this is funny that this riff is in there. So this isn't like oh yeah, a sax it's Richie playing it. That that yeah. On a uh, soprano sax. Yeah. repeating that I have, it's a good lot it's a good word to use man you just can't only use it once yeah but he didn't have the last verse yet yeah yeah I this is gonna be a timeless song because every generation has like people that like oh yeah know, give that up you know like I, you know when i was a kid it was like uh, well well i got older and i put this in perspective like how old my parents were when i was a kid oh sure when this came out i'm like you know this, this could have been you know the, their people so to speak and now i'm like how many years until like olivia and her friends are like all right we got to hang this up you know how many years to my daughter and her mm-hmm. friends are like all right <laughs> oh exactly yeah yeah everyone goes through that yeah so now we get another album track in Everybody Has a Dream. Yeah, what a, uh, I mean, what a lost opportunity here. Yeah. A quiet desperation As I wander through the world in which I live You know, there's that great um, the Stranger demo of Billy with a drum machine. Right. I haven't heard that It's like him and a keyboard and a drum machine. Like, that would have been really cool here. There's yeah. a lot of other things that I think would have been better. Right. I mean, at least this is a very obscure album track. Yeah. They didn't put like moving out on there. Right. I mean, of course, we we, we, we tap out with uh, it's still rock and roll to me, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that goes by quick. It's only two minutes and change, you know. Yeah. Three minutes. Again, I'll always say it, this version reminds me of the ending, the Saturday Night Live. And yeah, that's our we're show. We're all standing on night. stage, waving, hugging each other. Yeah. <laughs> the really subtle guitar going on in the right channel I'm picking up on that I don't usually... Like, I know this isn't Russell, but it's the Russell kind of style. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of supposed to be Russell, so. Yeah. And if a word from you can bring a better day, then all I have are these games I've been playing to keep my hope from crumbling away. A lot of people say they prefer the old folky version, which I like, but I've always thought this one was very well executed. It is. I think, 
I think also what can what can affect it for some people is that how many times they heard this version, and then they hear this other one, you know, so it's it's just fresh. Yeah. See, you know what would have been almost... First of all, The Stranger should have closed out CD1. Because that's yeah. like that's the milestone. And then this should, this song should have gone last because it's it's got the organ in it again. Like he starts off playing organ, he ends the first disc playing organ. Why don't they consult right. me on these things? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> It is nice to hear this one, you know. Yeah. Or like uh, Joe Cocker's version of With a Little Help from My Friends. Yeah. Just hearing this makes me realize how like Billy the singer like really came out on this record yeah like the billy personality there was hints of it throughout the 70s but it really finally came out here yeah it was it was really almost there on turnstiles but yeah yeah now this one is kind of worth the price of admission at least oh yeah back then because this now, is this a one story that's floating around told. for a while but this is a great quality yeah. Right. Again, though, you had to be, like, kind of in the know to go find it. Oh, yeah. Uh, for the rest of us, this was like, you know, this thing we heard about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A baseline from Doug. Yeah. yeah. It's not too bad yet. This is Richard T. on the organ. baseline see it's too much it's too jarring to go into this that's what killed this like you're either in this or you're not you can't just all of a sudden go full on jimmy cliff right now they could have gotten away with it if the organ wasn't hitting so on the nose reggae yeah But there's no uh, guitars on this. Yeah. This is just Billy, Liberty, Doug, and Richard T. Yeah, it's it's one we've heard like 20 million times. So it's like, am I enjoying this a lot more because it's just a fresh version of it? And then they jump into like a a halftime. Like double time. Yeah. They, they lose the reggae groove just for this part. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, they keep changing the feel though. That's what that's what sinks this one. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. Oh, here we go. This would have been spot. (laughs) (laughs) So he didn't like the bridge of this song. You know, I guess this was, um, I mean, Oregon notwithstanding, maybe this was, uh, what, what did Andy say? It was the Christmas tree? It used to be like him, Billy, uh, it would be like Billy Liv and, and Doug at first. Say that again? Remember Andy Gilmartin was telling us it was like a lot of these would be just um, Billy Lib and uh, Doug at first. Oh, and right. Like other people would come in, yeah. They would be the foundation for it. And then, the, yeah. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Doug, Doug's holding the melody there. Yeah, boom, 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 boom. But, you know, again, I love Until the Night, one of my favorites from the record. But you have six minutes and 38 seconds that you could have done something really interesting with on here. Right. At least, you know, Zanzibar next has like the extended trumpet solo. Yeah. Like I've got a Metallica recording that's like an extended version like that. Yeah. Their load album, the last song, Outlaw Torn, fades out. But it's the only reason it faded out is so they could fit it onto a CD. Yeah. Uh, because there was like a minute and a half jam at the end. And the CDs are, set, are were like 79 minutes at the time was the limit. Yeah. And they faded it out just so to where the total CD length was 78 minutes, 59 seconds. 59 seconds, yeah. <laughs> This is one that I love it, but I haven't listened to the studio album, studio version in a long time. Yeah. And I'm kind of a little used to life on Long Island right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably more used to that one at this point than this one. Was it ballsy to put like an ever uh, a righteous brothers pastiche out in the late seventies? Yeah, maybe. Now you're afraid I mean, there was a little bit of nostalgia going on, but you know, the sixties and seventies were a time when music was full throttle at full speed ahead. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, nowadays everything's retro. You know, well, a lot of stuff is retro. I should say. So you wouldn't think yeah. anything of it. So many broken hearts. So many. 
But oddly enough, it fits, even though on paper it wouldn't. It's true. I'll have my fears I mean, the tubular bells are worth What's the price. What's that? You know, <laughs> the tubular bells, ding, you know. Oh, I love those, yeah. Yeah. You'll have your tears like Yeah, this, uh, I forget how much more this, this moves, how much more motion it has than, uh, yeah. Life from Long Island, Life from Long Island is a little more, um, sentimental, a little more, a little more epic because it, like, just feels like it's mm-hmm. stopped in time. You know, I know Doug did some singing on Billy Record. I wish it'd be nice to find out exactly what. Yeah, because he could sound very close to Billy if he wanted to. Like, is one of those him? I don't know. He did it live, I know. Yeah. So let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got the records? Who's got the logs? Yeah. I don't think Russell sang on any records. He's got such a distinct voice. That I feel like yeah. I would notice it a mile away. Or a half a mile away. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm here all night, folks. <laughs> As they pour into the street, I will be getting closer. As the cars turn their headlights on. As they're closing it down, I'm gonna open it up. And while they're going to sleep, we'll just be. Interesting place to double the vocal. I like it. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to say about this song. I'm just not taking my shot now, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I kind of want to save it for when we do it. 52nd Street. Yeah. And I, cause I, I don't like being redundant if I can avoid it. But I'm also just yeah. enjoying listening to it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I know, right. We have to talk just enough so we don't get in trouble. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have to, maybe we have to like you know like kind of mar it, you know, like be like. <laughs> there we go. Now. <laughs> yeah, it, you almost forget how how big the strings are and how how they really weave. They're not just pads. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you're listening to Life on Long Island a lot. I'm just listening to this too. It's like, man, I just would love, I wish there was footage of just like the strings being recorded. And like you said, the tubular bells there, it's like, that stuff is so cool. It's yeah. like, ah, it'd be cool to actually see the sausage get made on this stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Zanzibar, I read an article or an interview 
probably ironically around the time this came out uh, uh-huh. with Freddie Hubbard, and he talked about. Oh, talking about Zanzibar. I thought it would start by now. There we go. <laughs> he talked about how uh, the process of, of doing this, and but he played a couple solos, and I think they gave him a little bit of direction, but ultimately they they constructed the solo later on, like kind of piece by piece. That it was mm-hmm. it was heavily edited, and it was on yeah. like I think like allaboutjazz.com. And people were, you know, apoplectic about it. How dare you? It's Freddie Hubbard. You don't do that. I know. And, you know, I think somebody said it. Maybe I just thought it at the time. I was like, yeah, but, like, it's not a Freddie Hubbard record. It's, you know what I mean? It's a a spotlight moment, you know. Yeah. You know, you don't have five solos on one side of the LP. You know, you're going to craft it how you want it. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Don't get me wrong, but... It was a lot of who's Billy Joel to, to mess with that. It's like, all right, dude. <laughs> like, they're so precious with it. You know, it's like, yeah. come on. I'm sure <laughs> Freddie knew the deal. Yeah, I don't think they, they hoodwinked Freddie on that. Yeah. And I remember, you know, it's done a lot in rock stuff. You know, it's just it just is. Like, I remember an interview with David Lee Roth, and he was actually talking about how he's like, yeah, you know, I, I would see Edward at the, at the board take, you know, like, five passes of a solo and he's moving faders up and down because they're very different between the takes and so he's like orchestrating a solo based on the different passes and then once he landed on one he liked then he'd have to go and learn it because then it's its own thing now oh yeah yeah, we'll have to do it later well I mean you know unless you're going modal you can only do so much because the chord progression keeps coming back around so you know, every every shot at it, every iteration right. is a little different. So, like, you know, you, you essentially have a whole bunch of versions of that to pick from. And, it, and it's going to fit because it's not the chord progression is continually changing throughout that passage. It's the same thing over and over again. So you just pick the best right. um, yeah. passages that you like. And if you're going modal, it's usually just sitting on two chords and you're changing modes. And, you know, that's a little different. You might go in different oh, directions sure. or you'll do it for um you could do it for different amounts of time you know yeah with the Allman Brothers and, and Miles Davis did on Kind of Blue you know certainly how the Allman Brothers could, could jam as, as long as they could mm-hmm Mode took me forever to understand by the way my, my sister's boyfriend who was younger than me but he was uh, pretty accomplished just was so patient sat with me for an hour i just couldn't wrap my head around it and he just like wrote out the scales in like five different ways and finally one of them i was like oh i get it now (laughs) thank god (laughs) yeah he's like all right are we done here (laughs) yeah yeah basically That's a different yeah, solo there's a, too. Yep, there's enough spaces in between these sections of solos to where you can yeah. definitely tell where they could cut. But the that's the be- the beauty of it is it's like they're creating something that is still very uniquely musical and it still flows very well. Right. 
Have you seen the person? There's somebody on YouTube that slows down that solo, like on the record, like on vinyl. Yes. It's so. I mean, I show that to my drum students. I'm like, it's a masterclass of Bob, because it's, if you ever think that like these guys are just blowing random notes, you slow down the Freddie Hubbard solo. It's like it's a whole composition. Like he's composing. It's a whole different thing. Like, yeah. It, every it, it holds water as a melody. Yeah, it's wild. You know. Mm-hmm. I always love that hook. Yeah. That little instrument. I think that might have... One of the spots, I think, is the spot before the brushes earlier. Yeah. You could actually hear Liberty set his sticks down on his floor tom. Right. Lib's getting real uh, gutsy here. Throwing in those like yeah. bass drum hits on him. Yep, by now the song has faded out on the record. We just point out that they made these edits on analog tape. You know? Oh, yeah. Razor blade. Yeah. But I mean, like, they also didn't have, like, a, a graphic interface to look at. Like, no. They had to, like, it's... make some serious notes. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. Like this is all great, but you're not. It's not going to go on this long on the record. So yeah, it's it's the nope. greatest hits of Freddie's riffs that day. Yeah. Oh, totally. And you know, because it's improv, it's like there it is. Yeah. You know, he had to get there. <laughs> you know yep. what I mean? He, yeah. Yeah. They cut out a big, big section there, and that was way earlier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I always get a kick out of it with like, all right, that's that's enough. It just falls apart at the end. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're past the point where it's faded out, right? Okay. Yeah. What's the matter with the clothes I'm wearing? Can't you tell that your tie's too wide? Maybe this is such a weird one to end this on. Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's like they just put the track list together and cut it where they cut it. Yeah. Maybe that was why. That nah, still doesn't make sense. <laughs> but in the booklet, you know, it says disc one, 65 to 80. Disc two, 81 to 88. Disc three, 89 to 99. Which is not completely correct because Why Should I Worry is on there. Yeah. From Oliver and Company. <laughs> and um, and then disc four, it just says 2,000 plus. 
which isn't accurate either, actually. Okay, you know what? I'll give I'll give them this. It's it's funny to wrap up this these many stylistics jumps with saying it's still rock and roll yeah. to me. I think that's yeah, kind of work. I mean, you're starting from like when he was just writing, wrote rock and roll songs, right? Going through singer songwriter, Elton John, Warren yep. Zevon, um, reggae, Righteous Brothers, jazz. Jazz rock. Um, yep. Did I say fake, fake Irish folk music yet? Uh, Barbara <laughs> Streisand, Linda Ronstadt, Showstoppers. Right. So you know, I guess it makes sense to do that. But again, it's a, it's just that it's a box set. Like throw a live version on there or something, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then on the other hand, too, it was his first number one song. So it's monumental yeah. in that way. That's true. Um, but yeah, I just. I, I wish they would have just fully like commit, committed to <laughs> unique things. Yeah, the rest of it, yeah, there's not a lot of like conceptual clues on here. It's just like this one thing they do almost as, a, almost as like a, a wink. But it's like, don't take a wink when there's like precious seconds right. going by. Well, like when we get to disc four, <laughs> you know, when we get to disc four, there's four, three tracks from Fantasies and Delusions. Right. So it's like, okay. Well, there you have it. I'll tell you what, it's, it's a journey. That first disc is a damn journey. This is where you see the most growth in oh, him yeah. as a performer and a songwriter. Because, you know, you're starting in 1965, he's 15, 16 years old, to 1980, where he's a bona fide rock star, pop star, however you want to put it, with, you know, big records that is under his belt by this point. I'm trying to call back to when I first remembered hearing about this, because I was still plugged in enough to, to know it was coming. I was like, oh, great. I, you know, I, I like the concept and I'm okay with looking over the album cuts for the really cool alternate versions and demos that I had never heard. Even someone who was like into the tape trading thing for a while back in the day. So I heard a lot of demos and I had a lot of demo tapes and stuff like that. Uh, there was still quite a bit here from disc one that mm-hmm. I had never, ever heard you know, by 2005, knowing by I'm not going to get a new studio record from Billy Joel to get something from the eras that I love that I never heard. Super exciting. For that reason alone, I'm totally glad this exists as much as I know I kind of ragged on it a little bit throughout. Yeah, this is one that really passed me by again. You know, 2005, I got the, oh yeah, I had a three-year-old and an infant running around the house. Like, you know, <laughs> I wasn't, uh, oh yeah. I wasn't dropping money on this box set, that's for sure. Uh, so it is nice to go back and give it a good listen. I've heard all this, uh, probably not on the box set per se, you know, mm-hmm. just like kind of dipping in and out. It is fun to hear this in this sequence, certainly. And I think, like I said, I think I've sort of talked myself into at least the first disc. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, you know, like you said, you get to four tracks of fantasies and delusions. It's like, I, I don't understand why. But, you know, so far, so good. What do you guys all think? Who got this when it came out? Who was into it? Who didn't like it? Who was like, all right, cool. They went for it. Who discovered it later? Especially like uh, for you younger fans, you know, do you find this to be completely redundant at this point? Because we can find this everywhere. Let us know. Glasshousespodcast at gmail.com or find us on Yield 
uh, socials, Facebook, Instagram, and the X, formerly known as Twitter. And, uh, or just hop right in our Discord server. Uh, we're always uh, in there chatting away. We got a good community going in there now. Um, people are pretty much commenting until the wee hours, I think. Yeah, it's it's actually really nice because, you know, I try to be as active in there as I can. But I, I actually love, like, when I'll wake up and check it and see, like, 70 or 50 or 20 messages gone by while I've been gone. There's a community there that are carrying on conversations with or without us. So you guys are, like, having some great discussions whether we're, in, we're involved or not. And I love to see that. Yeah, it's a good time. You'll find a link in the show notes. So you can sign up. We, uh, and, and more than that, we also do uh, watch parties every month where we choose a um, concert or a documentary or some uh, other live footage. We do the music videos, things like that. And we all get together. We watch it streaming through the server. We can all comment. We usually hang out for a little while afterwards, chat a little bit more. It's the next evolution of uh, forums. That's for sure. Oh, and also, uh, if you happen to listen to us on Apple Podcasts or any other uh, podcast platform that allows you to write reviews and, and give ratings, please give us that five-star or otherwise highest rating and a positive review. You know, with sites like that, they take those high ratings and positive reviews as indicators that we're a good podcast and they'll serve us up to more potential listeners. It's a fast, easy, and free way to help support the podcast and grow the community. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys are the driving force for us. We love what we do. We have a great time. But the great emails, the great Discord comments we get, the Facebook, the Twitter, everything, you guys are amazing and fantastic. And it's a lot of fun for us. We love your input. We love your feedback. And, you know, we're we're now crazy to think we're closing in on 100 episodes. Talk to some amazing people. We've had some great discussions Jack's tried to get me upset a few times, but hasn't done it yet. <laughs> I think he, it frustrates yet. you how even keeled I can be sometimes. <laughs> You're like, dang it, I want to fight. Have I? No, oh, oh, yeah, when we do the listicles and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to find the end of people's rainbows, my friend. <laughs> no, but clearly, guys, as you can see, we're having a great time doing this. And the fact that yeah. we still like it and are having a, this much fun, you know, three full years, four years in, however, 20, four, yeah, four complete years. So we're actually rolling into year five. Nah. One, yeah. Two, How do you like that? Uh, see, yeah. we're having so much fun. I didn't think it was as long as it's been. It'd be a half a decade. That's insanity. Yeah. So next we're going to do, you know, the year in review 2020 when we started this podcast, because it's going to be forever ago pretty soon. All right. That's hurting my head. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> but we love it. We love you guys. Thanks for everything. And we've got a ton of fun stuff planned as we get rolling into 2024 in these next uh, couple of months and weeks. So, uh, you know, you guys are a huge part of it and it's going to be a lot of fun. So stick around. But in the meantime, we will see you later. We'll see you later. You know that only the good die young. That's right.